Okie dokie. Alrighty. Now we are recording. Ooh, this is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's an intercity podcast. Oh, this is so good. So, yeah, hello and welcome to... Um, We're in it up to the shoulder, darling. Thank you, because I completely <laughs> forgot what do you know? I Do you know I was in the shower this morning? I was like, I wonder what the acronym is. For our for our podcast, and I wrote it on in the you know the misty bit on the shower, um, and it's what is it? It's W I I U T T S, and I was like, hey, woots, woots, it's woots, it's woots, yeah, woots, oh, it's woots, woots. Uh, oh god, <laughs> oh, so dumb. So I was like, let's 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 maybe not use that. Yeah, yeah let's skip that. The acronym's not awesome. Um, no, but that's okay. We still are awesome. It's fine. Yeah. It's all good. I'll take your word for it, love. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> oh God. So, to clarify, um, we're in it up to the shoulder, darling, is the name of this podcast. Um, this is the podcast where we, uh, a very not vet student, that's me, Amy, and Jenny, who is a vet student. Uh, I tell, yeah, I know. She's so proud. She's so <laughs> proud. I'm proud too. Um, we tell you about um, all the the sort of the grossest things known to man, beast, and a theoretical deity. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, so also, prepare for prepare for pus. Oh no, not not pus not today. Pus, no, we're not doing pus today. We are. There is going to be a bit of necrosis, but um, mostly, mostly skin flakes. It's mostly skin flakes and Yay. liver damage. Oh, I didn't know. Oh. I know. Spoiler oh, alert, Jen. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Sorry. So <laughs> today we are doing, um, now today we're doing facial eczema. Now facial eczema is uh, actually predominantly a New Zealand and Australia thing, but it is dear to our hearts because it's a real pain in the ass to deal with. And so today we're doing facial eczema. Fine. Um, so the symptoms are provided almost predominantly from agriculture.vic.gov.au. Thank you very much, you lovely Australians. Um, so sunburn is the most consistent sign. It usually affects the exposed areas of the skin, of the face, ears, teats, and coochie twinge vulva. Oh no, not the fandango. I know, it's always <laughs> the fandango. Uh, the skin over these areas becomes reddened and then goes crusty and dark. Oh, I forgot to mention, it also affects the testicles, so men also have a twinge. Wonderful. Yes. It eventually peels off, leaving large raw areas, meaning the sheep is now susceptible to secondary infections and fly strike. Fly strike is where several species of fly lay their eggs on the exposed flesh and you end up with a massive maggot infestation oh no that's delicious squirmy things oh is that is that where you get like the skin moving because these little beasties climbing around inside under there yes and it's disgusting but we like disgusting we're here for it (laughs) i'm not so sure i'm here for the maggots but that's okay (laughs) darling Um, i just like to watch the magic happen (laughs) <laughs> i don't like dealing with maggots or worms but i do so the sunburn is often accompanied by edema which is where fluid leaks out of the circulatory system and into the tissues under the burn so you've got droopy ears and a really puffy face animals will often be jaundiced 
as I said before, this is actually mainly a liver problem. That's so weird. They lose a lot of weight. So while most animals do recover from this acute phase injury, it takes months for them to regain condition and wool growth. So this is a sheep. This is predominantly a sheep problem. It's also a cattle problem. And you do actually get this problem in deer and alpacas and llamas. But they're, they, they don't have this problem anywhere near as much because they're not farmed in the same way. So some sheep and cows go on to experience chronic facial eczema. Some, reco- some never recover and die because basically everything ends up with death because that's, you know, what we deal with. Gross. So this is also a problem for cows. In Frisians, the severe signs, the painful sunburn <laughs> and crusting of their skin is all on their white skin. So areas like teats, coochie twinges, oh. the undersides of their tongue, and any white patches along their body. You can still feel the damage on their black skin when you run your hands over it. You just can't see it. It feels all weird and lumpy, especially where it's next to white skin. So if you're suspecting facial eczema in your cows, have a feel of them. If their skin feels all weird and lumpy, you've probably got facial eczema. So interestingly, the undersides of their tongues, as I mentioned earlier, get sunburned. If you watch cows doing their cow things, their tongues come out to lick their noses a lot and pick their noses a lot. And the underside of the tongue is what's usually exposed. So this small amount of exposure done so often is enough to burn the undersides of their tongues. That's freaky and also motivation not to pick your nose with your tongue. Yes. Don't do it. (laughs) Okay, so... History is um, thanks to a history of facial eczema, pithomycotoxicosis research by M.E. Dimena, B.L. Smith, C.O. Miles, published in the New Zealand Journal of Agricultural Research. Take it away. Yay. That's my cue. Um, So uh, funnily enough, as Jen mentioned earlier, um, this was first recognised in New Zealand um, and it's mainly a problem here. Um, Although it does happen in Australia as well. Thanks, guys. Um, It was recognised over 100 years ago. Oh, oh, I forgot to put that in there. (laughs) Thanks. Um, So the causative agent was discovered in 1958, um, but until then research was undertaken um, first, the Department of Agricultural Ra- uh, Laboratories in Wellington. For those of you who don't know, Wellington is our capital city, which is both uh, somehow uh, very political and very artsy. Um, <laughs> so uh, then two depart- uh, at two Department of Agriculture stations in areas where facial eczema outbreaks were likely. So Ruakaka Animal Research Stations um, established... Oh, Ruakura, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. My brain auto-corrected. Yes. Um, Ruakura Animal Research Stations uh, established in 1939 in the Waikato, which is kind of one of our middle bits for the North Island. Um, and uh, Manutuki, Tuke, Manutuke, yeah, a facial eczema farm near Gisborne, which is lower east coast North Island. Pass. I'm, I'm directionally Bay. It's challenged. Near- 
it's Hawke's Bay, so it's it's kind of wine country-ish. Um, yeah, near Gisborne in 1943, wartime. Um, there were also uh, facial eczema research groups um, at Wallaceville Animal Research Center, Department of Agriculture, and at the Department of Scientific and Industrial Research Laboratories, fucking mouthful, uh, Grasslands Division, Plant Chemistry Laboratory, and Soil Bureau, Jesus Christ, uh, which were active at various times. <laughs> Mate. Calm down with your titles. I'm also uh, deeply impressed. Pick that an acronym. Managed, I'm deeply impressed that you managed to read those, considering all of the typos I have spotted. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, again, brain autocorrecting. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> where was I? Uh, during this time, they focused on the cause and effects of the disease, uh, as well as, as examining the weather conditions at the time of the outbreaks that occurred. Um, collecting toxic pasture for biological assay and of course the search for the causative agent Um, so the severity and distribution of outbreaks were highly variable and this together with the lag period between the toxin ingestion and the appearance of symptoms were major difficulties for investigators Um, then in 1958 tests indicated the causative agent might be fungal in origin Farmers claimed that top dressing with copper sulfate, a fungicide, prevented facial eczema and small-scale field trials confirmed this, although the copper sulfate levels were dangerously high to grazing stock. Not awesome. Nope. You don't want to kill Mm. them with the treatment. Yeah, it kind of becomes a bit of a moot point. Yeah. Um, It was finally an operator of a gang mower preparing a polo field next to the trial plot who said, hey guys, there's a lot of black dust over there. Um, Scientists went out and grabbed it and analysed it and then did animal tests. It's the 1950s. Ethics committees weren't a thing. Um, The results in guinea pigs and lambs were consistent with what they were seeing in facial eczema cases and they finally linked all of this back to the spore of the, god damn, I'm going to have to say it, Pythomyces charterum. Did I do it? Yes, you did. Yay! Woo! Uh, specifically, a compound, sporidesmin. Sporidesmin. Sporidesmin, thank you. So close. Oh, which was extracted by chromatography. Uh, Singe, the guy who did the extraction, was awarded the Nobel Prize for this! Yay! Oh my god! But you tested on animals, but whatever. Carrying on. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's the history of um, facial eczema, dudes. It all happened down here in the land of the long white cloud. Yeah. And spores, apparently. Yep. Land of the long white spores. Ah, it basically, black spores. It basically is. I remember someone telling me that... Um, you knew you'd entered New Zealand waters because people started sneezing. <laughs> oh God, it's true. <laughs> I have such bad. Uh, what are they called? Allergies. Yeah. My apologies. I am still high from getting used to my new drugs for trigeminal neuralgia, and I have mm. difficulties with words. Yeah, which is hilarious because um, I have the same thing. I have trigeminal neuralgia as well. I take the same medication, uh, and but apparently I have the um, the sensitivity of a stump when it comes to medication. Whereas Jen, bless her Aspie heart, just feels all the things from all the pills. 
Ah, uh, yes. And this one is uh, euphoria, loss of balance, uh, loss of words, oh. massive loss of words. I've regained some of my balance and I'm now actually safe to drive, which is always nice, but I still can't find those words. Oh, dang. Yeah. Oh, and we're podcasting. This I know. is going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, what does Sporo Desmond do? This Tell me, Jen. This section is all thanks to my lecture notes. Danny, you are my hero. It is actually all about the liver. So a quick anatomy le- lesson. The liver is made up of teeny tiny units, which we like to imagine as hexagons because it's just easier that way. They're stacked on top of and next to one another. In the six corners of the hexagon, you have portal areas. They each have a small portion of the hepatic artery, the portal vein, the bile canaliculi, and lymph vessels. The hepatic artery brings highly oxygenated blood from the lungs to the liver. The portal vein brings poorly oxygenated blood filled with everything the gastrointestinal tract has absorbed into the liver for processing. The bile canaliculi take the bile away which is filled with things to help with digestion that the liver makes. The lymph vessels do drainage stuff. In the centre of the hexagon is the central vein, which takes things away from the liver and into the rest of the body. Sorry, the the what now? Takes it away from the what? What organ are we talking about? The liver. The liver? Because it sounded like you said leather. I was like, sorry. I I may well have said leather. Um, (laughs) My mouth is doing some interesting things, so we're just gonna, we're just gonna. It's liver, liver. I'm sorry, it was it's, too good. It was. It's too leather. Good. We're all talking about the leather. It's the leather. So fashionable. <laughs> so, back to the fungus. Wow, I really can't type things. I type this as pithoises. No, it's pithomyces chartarum. So the fungus Pithomyces chartarum spores a lot. It's one of the high sporing ones. It's in a lot of the pasture here in New Zealand. It lives in the deep litter at the bottom of the uh, sward, which is the pasture. So it likes to live in dead things on the ground, basically. So we've got really deep um, pasture it's down at the bottom just doing stuff and living and sporing. It likes to do that. So it spores in late summer and autumn in warm and humid condition. So when it's been raining and you come to a warm spell, which is over 12 degrees overnight, um, which often happens in New Zealand. Mm. So when the animal ingests the spores, it releases a mycotoxin, which is a toxin from a fungus called sporodesmin. This is absorbed by the gastrointestinal tract into the blood and taken by the portal vein into the liver. Not the leather, the liver. (laughs) When it gets there, it's removed and then shoved out with the bile, except that it totally fucks up the bile ducts. The damage expands to include the nearby liver parenchyma, which is the red squishy stuff of the liver. This is a big problem. When bile can't get out through the bile ducts, it has to get out somewhere. So it bails out of the liver and into the systemic circulation, 
which of course leads to the jaundiced appearance. Mm. Now the real problem is that this includes this lovely thing that's absorbed by the gastrointestinal tract as a normal part of plant breakdown, called pyloerythrin. It used to be called photoporphyrin, and Danny refuses to call it anything other than photoporphyrin, but because I don't have the history of calling it photoporphyrin, we're going to call it phyloerythrin. So now you've got an increased level of phyloerythrin in the blood, which includes those teeny tiny little venules and arterioles right underneath the skin. In unpigmented and poorly haired areas, the sunlight has access to the phyloerythrins in those teeny tiny little venules and arterioles that are so close to the surface, and it activates them, causing photosensitization. Oh, dang which involves skin inflammation. The skin then necrosis and falls off. And in severe situations, the animal dies. The other challenge is it takes about 10 days from eating the spores to the first signs of photosensitization. I'm going to take that one again. Photosensitization. There we go, we did it. So in a rotating paddock situation, you really have to know where they've been to identify the problem paddocks. The other cool thing is, one paddock can be badly affected, the paddock next door is no problem. Who fucking knows why? That's so weird. Welcome to fungi. Oh, dang. Sheep may suddenly die of this due to the severity, or they may recover and go on. But you've got to remember, their liver has been badly damaged. While the liver can do a lot of regenerating, it still carries that damage. Then they're exposed to facial eczema next season, and the next season, and the next season. And by the time they die, they have what's called a boxing glove liver. Now this is really easy. When you see this at, at post-mortem, you know the animal has had chronic sporodesmin toxicity. So the left lobe, the oh, liver has various lobes. There's left lobe, there's the right lobe, there's another two lobes. The caudal lobe, and I'm sure there's another lobe. In any event, we don't care about the other lobes. We just care about the left <laughs> and right lobe. The left lobe shrinks and it becomes this tiny, pale, fibrotic thing. And in some cases it's hard to see because it's so small. And the right lobe is so big. The right lobe is the is the lobe that's doing all the regenerating. And it is huge. So it looks like a boxing glove. You know those big red ones that people used to punch with, the old-timey ones? Yeah, boxing glove. Oh, right. Which is why it's called a boxing glove liver. Mm. Because they discovered this way back in the WAPs when they used, like, what it says on the tin as names. It oh, looks right. like a boxing yeah. glove, therefore it's a boxing glove. So, with regard to cows, they may recover from the acute sporodesmin toxicity, only to develop chronic wasting or die during another incredibly stressful event, such as calving. The biggest problem here is there is no cure. There is only prevention. Once they've ingested those spores, that's it. What will be, will be. That's sad. Yep. So you need to be on to it. 
So, what are the implications? This is thanks to the knowledge I gained during my cattle and pathology lectures, as well as a wee bit of Dairy NZ and Dairy Australia. Yay! <laughs> so, with sheep, you not only have a growth check, but you have an active severe weight loss. All that weight you put on over summer is gone. You're going into the hardest part of the year, winter, needing to cram weight onto them for lambing in the spring. Because of this, you're likely to have difficulties with lambing, such as difficult births and low birth weights. And some may just resorb the fetus or aborto. So with difficult births, you may lose both the dam and the lamb. With low birth weights, the lambs are more at risk of exposure, and they don't grow as well or as quickly as those with higher birth weights. The dam may not be able to produce as much milk as a more fleshed out dam could. So you, wow. you've got a lot of problems. All this from eczema. All this from, well, liver disease. Yeah. Liver damage. Oh, yeah, that's kind of the thing to remember. It's like it's called facial eczema, but it's really, it's a liver thing. It's a liver thing, yeah. With cows, you also have an active and severe weight loss, as well as a dramatic drop in milk production. You can almost halve milk production, which is just... In a Frisian, that's a lot of milk. So as with sheep, the cows are losing weight at a time you just cannot afford to lose that weight. They can pull a Padme and just fade away and die at calving, even if they do survive the acute injury. Oh my god. Woo! Star Wars! <laughs> oh, it was the worst scene. It was so dumb. Padme is clearly a cow. Oh, it's so sad. That character just did not get justice. No, no. Clearly, Lucas was looking at cows for his great inspiration. inspiration. Um, anyway. He gave her facial eczema. <laughs> he gave her... <laughs> <laughs> that poor woman. Yes. God. So, so, like with sheep, they can have difficult births, their calves can be light of weight, and it's all just bad news. But there are ways of mitigating all of this fuckery. You can give both sheep and cows zinc rumen capsules that slowly release zinc over a period of, I think it's six weeks? But don't quote me on that. Uh, have a look at the product websites and yes, go with please what, Google. <laughs> go, go with what the product says it does. Don't quote me on any of that. Mm -mm. No. Please Google in the wake of this podcast. Yes. You can also partner up with your local veterinary clinic who should be monitoring spore levels across the local area and take action when they suggest it's time to. That's kind of more sensible than taking advice from a vet student on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we can give you the basics, but please, please trust your professional judgment. Yes. Trust, oh trust the professionals. I am not a professional yet. And even then, I will not have all of the knowledge for a long, long time because mm. oh, you come out of vet school with a degree to learn more shit. Yeah. Like, you get the bare bones of not looking like a fucking twat. And that's about <laughs> it. Oh, and no. even then, you look like a twat, but that's okay. Um, there is also a product that you can spray on your paddock that kills the fungus but it does nothing about the spore levels. So you have to, what spore levels you have in your paddock is what you've got and what you're going to keep. All of these are preventative measures. It does no good spraying paddocks or administering zinc rumen capsules when the animals are already showing symptoms of facial eczema. 
you are going to you, you that horse has long since bolted all that can be done now is move them out of the affected paddock ensure they have a lot of shade because remember it's photosensitization which means they are sensitive not to photos but to the sun <laughs> i got that joke in there i'm so proud of myself oh jean you sound so photosynthesis i do i do i get to use fancy words um if you can so if if it's possible house them and you know pray to Cthulhu or any other eldritch god of your choice for a good outcome and uh, just be more onto it next year that's basically it um wow yeah facial eczema is dire i did not know it was this bad man i thought it was just like itchy face no some de-hairing and a lot of people don't don't realize it's it's not just an itchy face it's like you've you've gone and destroyed the liver like that liver's pretty tanked and you've got a lot of other problems because of a tanked liver like you've got bile all up in the systemic circulation where bile should not be Um, oh god it should be going out into the duodenum which is the, the the intestine right after the stomach um, it should be going out there and out the poop hole. Again with the poo. I know, but we haven't spoken... We keep on cycling back to poo. But we haven't spoken much about poo at all this time because diarrhea isn't really something that you notice. Yeah. The first thing you notice is that they've got like horrible scabby faces and white splotches oh. and they're... Oh, seeing bad pictures of facial eczema on cow's teats, you're just like, oh my god, can I please give you all of the analgesia all of the time because that looks excruciatingly painful. Oh no. Like, it's all raw and cracked oh. and oozing oh, and you're just like, ah, oh, no. my own nipples cringe. I know, I'm clutching my boobies right now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't come for my boobies. No. And for guys, yeah, the testicles really are affected because they're low-hanging fruit, especially in rams. Um, but fortunately, oh my god, yeah, oh yeah, but oh dang, <laughs> fortunately, most uh, male animals are kind of castrated, so they well oh, not castrated, yeah. they are their balls are taken off, so mm. they don't That's have that castration. Low... No, um, yeah, is castrated taking the balls off or taking the penis off? I think there's varying degrees. I'm going to Google. Okay. Castrate. Yeah, it is. Removing the testicles. Okay. I'm glad yeah. I sorted that out. I'm pretty sure I should have known that already. But Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, the reason I know it is because they used to have the um, the youth choirs in like Italy and, and ancient Europe. of like They were called castrati because they, they were young men who were castrated before their voices dropped. Yeah. So they keep that beautiful high note Yes, now, their whole lives. Now, what? Yeah. Is a eunuch castrated or... I think so, yeah. They used to work in um, ye old harems. Yes, a eunuch is one who's castrated. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So they couldn't get all these beautiful women pregnant. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because, you know, Why not? We've been castrating everything since the dawn of time. I know. Like, just take the balls off. Except back in those days... Solve they... so many problems. Yes. Back in that day, they just took a couple of rocks and went smashy, smashy. I think sometimes the favoured uh, method was a couple of hot bricks. Oh. 
Mm. Yeah. Mm, yeah, no, I'm not okay with that. I don't even have <laughs> balls. I'm, and I'm so not glad okay all of that. mine is internal. No one can get to it. Yes, but I, I'm still cringing at the thought of that. And I don't even have the external genitalia for that. It's like, ah, ah. <laughs> oh, the thought. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. yeah, mate. Okay, so castrated animals, it's not going to be as much of a problem. So steers and um, weathers. Oh, is that the, that's is the, it the sheep, equi- yep, that's, sheep equivalent? That's oh. castrated rams. Weathers. Wow. Mm. I did not know that. Yep. So they don't have problems, but um, they're intact brothers and cousins, definitely. Oh, yeah. that's <sighs> That would be excruciating and painful. Angry mushroom dust to the balls. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to remember, remember yeah. that one. Angry, Angry mushroom, mushroom dust. dust. Mm-hmm. That's, that's basically what it is pretty much yeah pretty much ragey ragey mushroom dust angry shit so yeah so that gross. was facial eczema it's delightful like how does that come okay so yeah. so i get that it's an eczema but um eczema in humans is caused by something different isn't it because yes. Yeah, this, I inherited mine. This is a very specific cause of eczema. You can have other causes of eczema in um in in animals. This is okay. So, eczema is basically a reaction to certain stimuli. It's not necessarily a thing all on its own. I'm just trying to puzzle stuff out. Eczema is a symptom. Okay, not cool. a not a disease. So the so the underlying um, so the underlying cause can be varying depending on what it is. Okay. But so eczema itself is the symptom. So you right. may have um, inherited um, what's the word I'm looking for? Dodgy skin cells. Immune mediated. Oh, okay. So your immune system may be going fuck this cell in particular. <laughs> Great. So just the entire backs of my ears is just like, fuck you! Exactly. Problems. Or you could have a um, small small spots of, of, of failure of normal production of epithelial cells. So, cool. Or they might need just more moisture. Moisturize me! Oh, God. Who knows? I don't Bitchy actually... trampoline. Oh, fucking hell. I don't actually know the pathology of eczema very well, so I'm literally just pulling shit out of my ass. Spitballing. Um, just, just spitballing. So uh, That's okay. As I said, Google post podcast. Yes. I apologize to all of the dermatologists out there. I Probably shouting. Probably <laughs> screaming at me right now. Um, I oh, do Jenny. know very, very, very small amounts of uh, dermatology because, of course, we had lectures on dermatology, but... Um, you know how it goes. You forget everything the second the exam's over. <laughs> Just a data dump. Pretty much. In reverse. Pretty much. Nice. Traumatized data dump. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who's been through vet school remembers how traumatic it is. I think that's the same for everyone doing tertiary education, especially when there's exams involved. If it's not in an assignment, I don't remember it. Yeah. Anything I had to study for an exam, I'm just like, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's disappeared entirely. Yeah. And I tell you what, these um these 
doofus are really helping me solidify my knowledge on various diseases. It's great. Because I, I actually have to like research it and put it all into words and word bloke it. And then I have to actually verbal bloke it. That's really good. It's fantastic. Mm. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, large stuff to start off with because I want to be a cow vet. So gross. I want to. I, I. Jen, for some reason, loves, she just loves cows. I didn't until I went out on work experience and I decided I needed to get Largie's experience. And one of my first calls was pregnancy and dirty checking of cows. So that is you, you pregnancy check them. So you, you stick your hand, gloved hand in their anus and you feel their uterus and you see if you can feel a, um, a fetus or if you can't, if it's too far developed that it's already dropped into the pelvis, you see if you can feel the thickening of one of the uterine horns. Oh. Yeah, it's really cool. And then with the other ones, you're checking to see if, um, like, some some cows will get an infection of the uterus or an infection of the uterine lining. Um, so you want to check those and you want to be giving them antibiotics right off the bat so that yeah. everything recovers in time for when the next mating is. Right. Because we have, I think, a period of like 40 or 60 days by which time they, I, no, I can't remember and I'm not going to say numbers anymore <laughs> because I would just have angry people saying, no, you're wrong. And I probably am wrong. Um, there is a short period of time during which cows need to, um, get their uterus back into position after giving birth where and so they can become pregnant so they can ovulate and become pregnant and if they have retained fetal membranes or if they've slightly damaged their uterus in any way and they've got a small bacterial infection we need to get on top of that now yeah so we went out there was a lot of really, 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 really stanky retained fetal membranes and a lot of really gross um, discharge from Ooh. Ooh. cervixes. And, <laughs> yep. And so you carefully insert a stylet through the cervix and you inject and, and you push. Um, antibiotics into the uterus and then you massage it in so that it spreads oh through the uterus and after the stylet had been inserted i was told to put my hand in feel the stylet feel where it all is and then slowly push in the antibiotic and for the first time i could properly say i know where the cervix is and i can feel the uterus and then I also got to feel the pregnant hair, the pregnant, it might have been a heifer. And I got to feel a teeny tiny fetus. It was like really tiny. It was about the size of my palm and I got to feel it. Oh my God. It was so exciting. <laughs> oh it was God. so exciting and it was so mind blowing that I decided then and there that I had to be a largies. Despite the fact that I also have fibromyalgia and so I don't actually have the physical strength to be a largies. But fuck that. <laughs> I'm going to be a largies vet. She's going to do it anyway. Exactly. 
you know what you need you need you need a an assistant yes. who's like the size of a tank yes and can be like your 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 physical dude to do all the things yes and then you can be the brains of oper- of the operation exactly what i need is yeah exactly you need you know what you need a master blaster like from um mad max thunderdome i you know, there was seen a it. big dude oh okay so there's this big dude yeah and he's got this backpack, I think, and it's this little smart dude on his back who tells him what to do. Yeah. So that's what you need. You need to be the master blaster at the back, and you need like a big old what's it, Igor. Yes. To do be your, be your big old brute strength. That's yes. what you need. Yes, exactly right. Clan gen. Especially when it comes time to like trimming feet, because unlike the rest of the world, we don't have feet trimming crushes. We just have normal cattle crushes if we're lucky and we take rope and we tie it around their legs and we tie their legs to poles posts as best as we can but that also involves you know heaving legs up and tying them really fucking tight so that they do not punch us in the face kick us in the face while we're our head is right there oh my god is this cows yes dang yes oh my god i didn't know you had to trim feet on cows oh yeah they can get all Holy the same problems shit. And the the other thing is, not a lot of people have the belly straps. Oh, so they're no. belly straps so that if the cow goes down, they don't go down on the floor. Because if a cow goes down on the floor, you've got problems. Yeah, You have to figure out how to roll them out of there. And you have to make sure they don't choke themselves on the bottom of the head bale. And they're probably going to damage their leg because their leg is tied up and all this kind of thing. So belly straps. Oh my God. It's a big thing. And when we went out to trim cows, the cows would just rest themselves in the belly straps and did not want to get up. <laughs> it's probably nice. Just chilling in a hammock. Just just hanging out. And they just didn't care. And of course, we had to get rid of the belly straps before we could open the head bales to let them out. Because mm. otherwise they'd get caught up in the belly straps. But nope, they did not want to get up. <laughs> I can relate. Yeah, yeah, I can as well. I feel it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we have gotten totally sidetracked from facial eczema. No, that's fun. Excellent. I love sidetracks. Yes, it's the best way to go. But that was uh, the second episode of We're Not Up to the Shoulder, darling. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Spotify and a couple of others that I can't remember. Um, Are we still on Anchor? We're st- oh yeah, we're still on Anchor. Anchor still on is Anchor. how okay. we get our podcast out to things because it's right. okay. so much easier than me manually uploading to everything. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't have the time or the energy for that shit. <laughs> no. So yeah, uh, rate, review, subscribe. We're not on FaceTubes. We are on Instagram and um, yep. yeah. Like us, please. 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 Tell your friends. Tell your mom. No, don't tell your mom. She'll probably be super grossed out. Tell, your tell mom everyone she, else though. Tell your mum if she's a vet or a nurse or anything like that. She'll probably actually yeah. She'll probably quite enjoy it. And I yeah. promise there will be pus. Okay, we haven't. There had, will be pus. We haven't had a lot of pus yet, but there will be pus in our future. And because I'm a weirdo, at some point, possibly cannibalism. Yes. It's very exciting. Yes. Ooh. I don't know what the fascination is. And bovine spongiform encephalopathy. I have no idea what that is, but I'm sure you'll tell me at some point. Mad cow disease. Oh, I love oh, it. of course. Oh, 
Oh God, I animal I, cannibalism. Oh, good lord! The best, the best example of animal cannibalism gone wrong because we're nothing. Oh yes, that's of course. Yes, that was humans being dumb. Yes, it actually was. Okay, more on that later. Yes, guys, okay. hang out. We're gonna we're gonna head straight into another thing, and we can't do that. No. Okay. 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 Rate, review, subscribe. Um, bring us your gross stories if you wanna. Um. Come and find us on Instagram. At some point, maybe Facebook. I don't know. Yeah. It's too much, like, hard work. <laughs> um, just, just so hard. Um, I'm a vet student. I have no time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now, this is hilarious because Jen is in Palmerston North. I am in Auckland, and we're going to try and marry up our um, our, our sound uh, thingies. So now I have to figure out how to stop recording. Oh, you just—it's the stop. stop. It's the stop button, right? It's—it is the stop button. But before okay. we go, 